This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. This is your host, Emily Reddington. And this week, we are talking to Amanda Stevenson and Courtney Hoyle. Amanda and Courtney share a daughter through adoption, Courtney, the birth mother, and Amanda, the adoptive mother. They share their story about creating a family for Margot, their daughter, that is filled with love. They, along with Amanda's husband, Micah, have chosen to raise Margot in a way that supports family, adoption, and loving each other through hard places. I hope you enjoy this week's episode with Amanda and Courtney. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. Today, this week, we have Amanda Stevenson and Courtney Hoyle with us. Welcome, guys. Hi. I'm so happy to have you guys here. I can't wait to share your story. It's a really, really great story of um, finding support and grace in places where maybe you would least expect it. And um, I'm just very excited to hear. Amanda, could you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. I live in Omaha, Nebraska with my husband, Micah, and our daughter, Margot. I am a music teacher. So I teach elementary music and then I also run a nonprofit that I started called the Omaha Children's Choir. Courtney, it's your turn. Okay. I live in Williamsburg, Iowa with my fiance and our three kids. I am a service coordinator assistant for a nonprofit that helps people that have intellectual disabilities. Well, I would say first, I grew up in a larger family, I guess. Um, I have four sisters. Uh, Three of them I grew up with, or sorry, I have four sisters. I was raised with like two of them. So my parents were divorced and my mom remarried. And so that I have two sisters from that marriage as well. You know, larger family, I have, you know, my dad has nine siblings. And so just family was really, really important in my childhood growing up. And I always thought that I would have a large family myself. And when I was in college, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Wow. That's so and I, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I was really naive about it when I look back. Okay. Um, because I thought, there, there were just like some medical choices and things that I had made um, that I really hadn't thought, I guess, long-term consequences. Or maybe I did think long-term, but I think it was really hard for me to picture that as, you know, a 20-year-old mm-hmm. college student, mm-hmm. you know? And so I got married. Well, I went through two years of pretty intense, like, chemotherapy and radiation and things like that. And then um, my husband and I met when I was a senior in college. Okay. And we were married then like a year and a half later. So we got married pretty young. 
you know, I like my first year out of college, we got married and we're not really focused on having kids like right away, but probably within the first like few years. And I knew that it was going to be really difficult just because of the medication, the chemotherapy and radiation and all of that. You know, my doctors had told me that it would be really difficult, but I think that I thought um, differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that I thought, oh, well, I'm young, you know, mm-hmm. which is different than a lot of other people, I guess, uh, that have ovarian cancer. And I thought, surely, maybe I'll be different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. And we we really did not do a lot of like infertility treatments because I also knew that the probability of those working were really low. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't go through any infertility stuff really. We really just kind of focused focused on doing something towards adoption. What led you to, well, let me go back a little bit actually. So you were faced with cancer in college as a 20 year old. You said you were naive about um, some medical choices and just maybe about like the whole grand scheme of how insane that is, how huge, I can't even imagine, but it had to leave you completely changed. So is there anything that you left from that, that circumstance that, I mean, cause that's like a whole journey in itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to think about it now because I feel so far removed from it. Okay. I don't, I don't really even, I wish I could go back and change some things, I guess. is Like when I think about that journey, I wish that I could go back and, you know, change some of my choices because I feel like it would have left me with maybe a little less heartache along the way. Mm. Um, but, you know, you can't go back and change and you just have to move forward with the decisions that you've made. And that's what I did, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you're married you're wanting a family. You knew that these infertility treatments probably weren't going to be your best bet. So you look towards adoption. Is there a reason why you lean towards adoption versus like, I guess you could, I don't know if you could have done surrogacy or, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure what your, what your, what all your options were. Is there a reason why you lean towards adoption? I I don't really know. I guess I don't really know why other than the fact that I thought, and this is totally not the what, how I think now, but um, I guess I thought, well, I'm a lot, I'm guaranteed to have a child toward in adoption mm. rather than this was like very, very beginning. And yeah. as you know, that's not always the case. Yeah. But, um, but I thought that, you know, oh, well, if we choose adoption, like I will be more likely to have a child in the end than if I choose any of these other things, you know, and for me and the family that I came from, like not having children was not an option, Mm -hmm. or at least I felt like it was not an option Mm -hmm. based on how I was raised. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would probably say differently now, Mm -hmm. you know, just because my, my views have changed. Um, I don't think that that's a bad thing, you know, but I think, you know, I was just raised with the idea that, my whole goal in life was to be a wife and a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily how I think now, but yeah. um, 
No, I mean, I think that I can totally relate to that. So I think a lot of people can. I think that when you're young and you are making these decisions, like for the rest of your life, you, I mean, you can't watch it pan out forever. You can't, you can't know what's coming or what, you know, who you'll be in 20 years. Um, Right. All you have is your family story and your family history that's, you know, behind you. Yeah. So I do understand that. But it was really hard because I kept watching friends and, you know, my sisters have kids and it just like was not happening for us. Yeah. And that was, that was really, really difficult. And then I would see, you know, friends that I had made that had been through like, you know, infertility treatments or whatever, and they were starting to like have families. And then here we were just kind of, we felt a little bit like left in the dust, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. So then we had an opportunity to adopt a baby in 2012. Uh, This baby was going to be born in the summer Mm -hmm. of 2012. And we didn't get a whole lot of notice. We had like a few months, which I guess in the adoption world, a few months is fairly normal. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that baby also had some medical conditions after she was born that we found out about. So she was born with thanatophoric dysplasia, which is a lethal form of dwarfism. And we knew that she had some form of dwarfism before she was born, but did not know that it was going to be lethal. And so she was born and lived for three days and passed away in the hospital. And at that point, both my husband and I were totally devastated, obviously. Both of us, I would say probably primarily myself at first, felt like, okay, we're done with -hmm. this whole parenting thing, Mm -hmm. with trying to be parents. Like, it's not working out. And I don't really want to try anymore because I am totally broken right now, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And that's, you know, child loss is a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, we were in the hospital with her and her family and really felt, you know, we were really part of that whole entire journey. So that was also an adoption that was, we didn't go through an agency. And so it was a private, you know, situation, but yeah, we, yeah. So at that point we thought, okay, we are going to be done and we'll just focus on our careers and move forward. And about eight months later, I randomly, I was in school and randomly got a Facebook message from a teacher, another music teacher that I was friends with. And she said, hey, can you give me a call? Like, I don't think that I have the right number for you. So just give me a call when you can. So of course I call her right away because it's kind of weird that she just wanted me to call her, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she calls me and she's like, hey, I have a student that just was in my office a little bit ago and told me that she's pregnant and is really interested in open adoption. And I just want to know if you could, you know, maybe point her to some resources, to some agencies or something. And in my mind, I'm like, sure. Yeah, I'll give her some names of some agencies and we'll be done. You know, later that afternoon, Courtney calls me. <laughs> and I still remember like the first words out of your mouth, Courtney. <laughs> I answer my phone like, hello. And she's like, hey, my name's Courtney and Miss Wagner gave me your phone number. And I just want to know if you want to adopt my baby. <laughs> and and I'm just like, 
Uh, we can talk about that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, and I think for, you know, at least for me, like I had no idea. There was some backstory and Courtney can talk about that. But I that was not what I was expecting. I was not expecting her to say that whatsoever. And in fact, I wasn't even interested in that, you know, because I was like too hurt to, mm-hmm. you know, even think about that. Okay. Well, Courtney, I want to hear from you. I want to hear about about your family growing up, about what, you know, who you were in high school when this happened and um just a little bit about the situation. Uh, at the time, I was a senior in high school. I was like 3 months away from graduating actually. I had grown up with like I had two older siblings, a brother and a sister. And then when I was six, my parents got divorced and my dad remarried, I think maybe a year or two years later. And then I had, now I have a younger stepbrother, but, um, my dad had also grown up with a very large family. He had 11 other brothers and sisters. Wow. So, um, Along with, like, Amanda, I also grew up with, like, a huge family and thinking, you know, I want a huge family and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But when I was a senior in high school, that's not when I wanted to start that. that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I actually remember I was going to only be at school for a half day the day I found out because I had a doctor's appointment. And at the appointment, I had to have x-rays done. And they asked me when my last period was. And I was like, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me a pregnancy test. And the nurse pulled me into a separate room. And she was like, "You're, you're pregnant. And I instantly, like, just start bawling because I was like, I'm a senior in high school. I want to go to college. I had all these things I wanted to do. I was like, I, I'm not ready. There's no mm-hmm. way I'm ready for a baby right now. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the first thing I said to my mom, because my mom went with me, the first thing that I said when she walked into a room was I'm not keeping it. Mm-hmm. Like, so I knew from the very beginning that I wasn't ready to be a parent and that I wasn't going to be able to give the baby the life that they deserved. So I knew, like, I wasn't ready for that. So I actually didn't go back to school for, like, a week and a half just because, like, I had to process everything and deal with it. Because, like, I went to a really small school, so, Mm -hmm. like, pregnancy was not a thing. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I was the first pregnancy they had had in that school in years if not ever um so when I did go back to school I talked to Mrs. well now it's Mrs. McClendahan (laughs) um so I talked to her and because she was like my third mom like I still like I love her to pieces but so I talked to her and she like immediately started talking about Amanda and Micah. She wrote down on a sticky note, like their numbers, like their occupations, like, wow. and like kind of gave me their backstory about the previous child that they were wanting to adopt and everything. And so when I heard about that, I was like, you know, these people, like if 
for Jennifer to know who they are. Like, they're mm-hmm. obviously awesome people. So I called Amanda that night and asked her if she wanted to adopt my child. <laughs> wow. I want Wow. <laughs> you have so much courage, first of all. I mean, what made you decide to choose adoption versus anything else? Um, I mean... So, yeah, I guess I should probably say that. So when I found out I was pregnant, I was already seven and a half months along. Oh, my goodness. Seven and a half, eight months. So I found out in February, I think towards the end of February. And then I had her at the beginning of April. Okay. So, yeah, there wasn't much time. Plus, I just I don't I personally would never go a different way. Um, so I just figured like at this point, adoption Mm -hmm. was the only choice I had Mm -hmm. because I also didn't want to put my family through, you know, having to raise a child and everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, my primary doctor first was like, I have a brother-in-law in Michigan who has resources for adoption agencies and everything. And so at first I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that because mm-hmm. like at this point I don't really have a bond with this baby because I just found out. Mm-hmm. And so I really didn't think that being a part of the baby's life was a thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But then I talked to Jennifer and found out about Amanda and Micah and that kind of changed everything. Can you tell me, you said that Jennifer's like your third mom. I, (laughs) I also had a special relationship with my music teacher in high school. Can I just say as a music teacher, how (laughs) that makes me feel? (laughs) You have a special job. I mean, music, right. I I think it connects and touches. Just, you know, in general, like it, it makes me really happy when I hear of people that have special relationships, whether they, become music teachers and you know mm-hmm. I mean that's why I went to that's why I went to college for music because of yeah. my music teacher you know it's really special I, I I think that that's amazing to hear that from you I feel the same way in hearing her story like that's so cool because I had that type of relationship as well and I'm so happy to hear that that's not unique <laughs> that other people right. <laughs> have those special relationships with music teachers can you just tell me a little bit about your relationship with her like were you yeah how that how that developed? I mean, so I think I met her when I started choir and I can't remember if that was my freshman year of high school or my soft. I think it was my freshman year of high school is when I actually met Jennifer and she's just so funny. Like she's hilarious. She's one of the funniest people I've ever met. And like, you can tell like she wasn't in it just to do her job. She actually cares about her students and not only wanting them to learn, but she wants them to be happy. And like, she just, she's a very motherly figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in general. And I can second that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know her quite as well, but she, I would second what Courtney said. She is probably the funniest person that I know. <laughs> she is. She's so funny. <laughs> what made you think, you know, I got to tell her, I have to tell her that I'm pregnant because I need her, like, and you just needed her advice. Like, I think I told her it was during study hall and it was my first day back to school after I'd found out, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting next to her and it was just like that motherly vibe Mm -hmm. that she has. And I was like, I, if I'm going to tell someone it has to be her, like Mm -hmm. maybe she can like have some advice or something. 
And so I did, and I remember her saying, "What?" And then she made me like show her me like show her my belly because <laughs> she didn't believe me, and it was just it was so funny. And then she just she didn't even skip a beat; she just instantly went to talking about me and then Micah. Yeah, and. With her, like, not even hesitating about it, like, I knew that they had to be good people, and mm-hmm. that that really helped my decision, too. It really seems like such a um, unique and meant-to-be connection, um, just your connection with your teacher who had the special place for this other couple that she had seen and knew... I just wonder what a wonderful connection. I just am so yeah. glad that things panned out like that. Amanda, can you tell me a little bit more about your perspective of her asking that question? Will you drop my baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, what happened I mean, next? I was in total shock. I was like, I was at the gym and, and I knew that she was calling because I recognized the area code, you know? And so I stepped out and I just, I was just in shock. I didn't even, I didn't even, I don't even remember what I said. Yeah. Other than we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, but also was just genuinely, you know, concerned for her. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess for myself, I mean, I had definitely built up a wall because I was really afraid of like, like, I mean, in the back of my head, I'm like, there is no way that this is actually going to happen. So right. don't even get your hopes up, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, that wasn't even on my mind, mm-hmm. you know, as far as logistically, was this actually going to happen? Like, I did not, I did not believe that for a second um, because I wouldn't allow myself to, you know, I, I really, I had to protect myself, but you know, we talked for a while and then it was that next weekend that we ended up meeting, you know, her parents and Micah and I, and we just like met at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't remember that. It was Chili's. Yeah, we met at Chili's. <laughs> Courtney, what was your first impression of Amanda and her husband, Micah? Um, they, well, Micah is like an overall quiet person anyway. So he just, you know, like we thought he was kind of awkward at first. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's just how he is. Like he's, that's how he is. But Amanda, like she just, she talks and she was like all bubbly it made things more smoother than what they mm-hmm. could have. I, I mean, it could be a lot. It could have been a lot worse given the situation. I mean, yeah. When you're 18 and you are meeting a couple that is potentially going to adopt your child, mm-hmm. like it's, it's not. It's awkward. Yeah. Like it's going to be awkward in general, but they made it a lot easier. How did you feel after that, or like? When you went home, did you have a plan or were you just processing still? Um, I, I was relieved. Like once like we had talked to them and met them and left, I was relieved because it kind of just made it that much easier to be like, you know, the, they're the ones that I want to mm-hmm. adopt my child. Like I after that, after meeting them, I had no like no second thoughts at all. And so you said it was relatively a short period between finding out and having the baby. So it was like a month between meeting them and having the baby. Is that right? Um, it, maybe a little. I, I just I don't remember exact dates. It could have been a little bit longer, okay. but I don't, it wasn't that much yeah. time. 
Yeah, I think it was like maybe six weeks from okay. like the first phone call until the end. <laughs> yeah. And so by the time you got to birthday, um, did you guys, what kind of relationship had you had at, until that point? Like what had been going on? They, I mean, they were in contact with me all the time, like constantly checking in on me. I was giving them updates on like my appointments and how things were going. And it's like they'd been in my life like forever Mm -hmm. and that I didn't just meet them you know some odd weeks ago it was just like I'd known them forever wow yeah it was it's so interesting and I you know I've I've talked to other people about this how adoption is so weird in some ways like you are sharing this really deep and intimate experience with another person but you don't really know them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. You know, like Courtney and I, at least I, I felt like in the beginning, I was like, I don't really know what to say because I don't really know her, but I know that we're sharing this really deep and personal experience, but I don't, but I don't know her. And now, I mean, now things are different because I've known you for seven years, you oh know, my gosh. <laughs> um, and, and so I know a lot about you, <laughs> yes. but in the beginning it was, I feel like for me, I felt like I had a lot of awkward silences because I didn't know what to say. And I was really stressed out about, you know, am I going to say the wrong thing? I don't want to say the wrong thing. What? It, but what if I say the wrong thing? And, you know, and then she, I don't know, doesn't like us anymore <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I want to say, too, is that we were very, my husband and I have talked a lot about this over the years. And Courtney knows this, but... You know, I I would say that some of our beliefs on adoption are different than others. And we're very pro, like, we wanted to support Courtney even if she decided that she wanted a parent. Mm -hmm. We wanted to support her Mm -hmm. because ultimately this child is hers and not ours. And that was absolutely her decision. And she was free to make that decision, you know, whether it be before this child was born, when she was in the hospital, after, you know, the week or two after, you know, every state law, every, every state is different in Mm -hmm. terms of laws and things like that. And Mm -hmm. how long, you know, parents can make that decision. But we wanted to make sure that she was supported no matter what decision she made Mm -hmm. and that we didn't pressure her Mm -hmm. into anything. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that Courtney? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they even said it to me multiple times. Like, I don't like they don't want to pressure me. They don't want me to do something I wasn't comfortable doing. And it was like a breath of fresh air because even like just being judged, like being judged by so many people and not knowing what to do really. And I mean, I got support from my mom and her other half, but my dad and stepmom were very different (laughs) so they Mike and Amanda kind of they didn't feel that but they contradicted everything that I was going through with my dad and stepmom and how they felt about this situation so it it helped me a lot (laughs) yeah it sounds like they provided you with support of what you already your choices they just supported Mm -hmm. your choices which is wonderful um, so that day came and it was time. I don't know, like you said, I'm not sure every, every state is different in terms of 
um, waiting periods and things like that. But can you just walk me through Courtney, um, from your perspective, how that all went down and, um, yeah, just what it felt like. And when that, well, so I had a appointment on that following Monday, the Monday before I had her. And they basically said like my amniotic, my amniotic fluids were low. And so like, you're going to have this baby, like you're coming in tonight mm. <laughs> to start that process. It's always shocking. And it is. Yeah. And so we went in at seven o'clock on Monday night and they induced me, but like nothing was happening. And I'd end up didn't end up having her until the following Wednesday. So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I was in labor for a very long time. Cow. Yeah. Um, I know at one point, like I had, I had so much medication in me because like I was having contractions, but she wasn't moving and stuff. And I had so much medication and like, I threw up food. Like, Oh my goodness. Wow. But, um, my plan from the very beginning with my OB doctor was that when she was born, I didn't want skin to skin contact. I didn't want her in my room with me to stay because I didn't want to build that bond with her and then ultimately, you know, feel like I needed to keep her. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want that because I knew for a fact that I was not ready for a child. Mm-hmm. So when she was born, they weighed her and everything in my room, but ultimately um, they gave Amanda and Micah their own room in the OB ward Mm -hmm. and she stayed with them. Okay. So, yeah, that. So it was a pretty immediate thing in terms Mm -hmm. of um, there wasn't like a, you had been with her for nights. Right. And then, okay. Okay. No, I, I honestly, I didn't see her for the, like really see her for the first time until the next day. Actually, I had like a whole day to kind of. How did that feel? I think at that point I knew what was going to happen. So I'm more focused on my recovery mm-hmm. and taking care of myself because I knew that Amanda and Micah were taking care of my baby. So yeah, that's great. Amanda, how did that day feel like for you? It was really stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not because of Courtney at all. She knows <laughs> But uh, I think, well, let me say that my husband and I had a lot of PTSD from our previous experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were we were holding our baby when she passed away. And so, like, every two seconds I was making sure that she was still breathing, you know, because I was just like, I, w- I, I couldn't sleep. I didn't, yeah. like... neither one of us slept because we were afraid that like if we went to sleep that she would die like I mean and she was a perfectly healthy baby but we were just so terrified of um, you know something happening like what if something was wrong with her and we didn't know that something was wrong with her and Mm -hmm. you know and so we were sort of like living this you know having a baby but it wasn't it was a really different experience and what we expected Mm-hmm. And also, it was also really different because the hospital just kind of like handed her to us. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, well, I mean, don't you need to like make sure that we're, I mean, yeah, we had gone through like the home study and we had a social worker and all of that. But like, you're just going to hand this baby to us. And then they left. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with this baby? Like, I haven't had any training, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but it was, it's just like so weird because 
you know, I hadn't been through the like a birthing experience. Yeah. And I just remember even even after the hospital, you know, like those first few months just felt really unnatural for me. Mm. And I questioned whether I was like really a mom because I hadn't been through hmm. the process mm-hmm. of birthing a child. Mm-hmm. And wow, so that had to be really hard. I, it was just weird. I mean, I don't really know how to explain it. You know, I, I, I definitely know that I felt like, am I really in this like motherhood club or not? Because there was a disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, you are and you were. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't struggle with that anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I think you know, like the first year, yeah. Um, you know, because you like, I mean, everybody deals with it, this, everybody deals with this in one way or another, not necessarily this situation, but you know, like people would say things at the store, mm-hmm. like, cause every, well, Courtney knows like Margot looks nothing like me at all. Okay. And so here she is like, and when she was a baby, she has like super super dark eyes like her her eyes were like black when she was a baby Mm. and she has really dark hair okay she looks nothing like me (laughs) and like people would comment like I would go to the store and they're like oh your baby's so you know oh your baby's so cute but she doesn't look anything like you like could you just end the comment at like your baby's cute or like whatever you want you know yeah whatever you're gonna say but you don't have to you know add because that just added to my feeling of like, do I belong in this club? Like, am I really her mom? You know, mm-hmm. and I, and at the same time, like, and we have all said this to Margot, you know, like, I am not Margot's only mom. Like, Margot has grown up knowing that she has two moms, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a mom in a way that Courtney won't be her mom. And Courtney is her mom in a way that I could never mm-hmm. be her mom. And That's so true. And I think that's really special mm-hmm. and something that is really unique for her and that we've really tried hard to ensure that she knows her story. That's wonderful. And so Courtney, after leaving the hospital, I want, I do want to, I really want to hear your voice on how that felt like being home and not having Margot. Um, and then also just, what that looked like for you guys. Cause I know that it was open. How did you walk that out? So after like, once I got home, I was already done with high school. They let me graduate early. So that was out of the way. So I was basically like just home all day by myself. Um, I did have postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. So I was dealing with that and I felt like, well, because everyone kind of like returned to work and because, well, they were the ones that had the baby. Mm-hmm. So I was by myself a lot and that was really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think looking back now, I kind of blocked that part of my life out <laughs> just because I felt like it was, it was bad. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy. And it wasn't so much because of the adoption. It was just, I I just kind of had this emptiness, I guess. But I think it was more of I wasn't given enough time to prepare for it between finding out and mm-hmm. having her and everything happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't like 
second guessing my decision or anything I would never do that I never did do that I was set on placing her and Amanda and Micah having her so it was just a matter of being alone Mm -hmm. that was hard um as far as like seeing them and everything I think for the first few months we saw them like once a month if not more just because well they lived closer to at the time Mm -hmm. but I mean it was just whenever they wanted like they had free time or something like that um we would meet up and um spend some time together but yeah how how was how was the meetups like did you feel like probably did it feel awkward at first or were you scared it wasn't awkward and I was I wasn't really scared but it was sad I remember you know every time we left for honestly like the first like five years I cried Mm -hmm. you know everyone you know we were sad because of it but um once it's like once she turned like five it hit me and I was like you know everything's okay you don't need to cry anymore you'll see them again so I don't cry anymore Mm. but it's the first few months were really hard yeah really hard and I probably was like super annoying and like seemed clingy but I was like I always want to see her (laughs) of course no I don't think that she was clingy at all um and in fact, like we wanted to make sure that Courtney knew that we were serious about, you know, the open adoption thing, because the thing about open adoption is that, you know, like nothing is like nothing can be legally bound, really. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like our social worker had talked to us about, you know, because, you know, we, we just kept talking about like what our plans were and all that. And then I just remember her being like, well, none of this is legally bound. Mm. So knowing that nothing was like legally bound, I wanted especially in those first several months, year, couple years, wanted to make sure that Courtney knew that we were actually serious because I was afraid that, you know, if we just all of a sudden, like, you know, take this baby home and then drop off the face of the planet, Mm -hmm. you you know, I don't, I was afraid that, I wanted her to know that we were serious. Mm -hmm. So after that first, like, kind of getting used to seeing each other, period, what does it look like uh, to sustain this unique and necessary for everyone, especially Margot, uh, relationship? I mean, to the point, like, I I mean, I have other kids now, and, like, they talk to Margot, like, FaceTime her, they message her constantly. They, we, I mean, we try to FaceTime her, um especially because she has her little brother now. So, I mean, but, and we try to visit as often as we can with everything that's going on right now. That's kind of hard, but, um, I mean, we just, we, I try my hardest to let, like, so that she knows that I'm here and it wasn't the, like, I know they tell her that this was, I just, I don't know. Um, sorry, this is kind of hard sometimes. <laughs> That's okay. And I would just say that, like, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's That's okay. Totally okay. It's totally okay. You know, we, at least on our end, you know, they are our family. Um, it's not just like, oh, that's Courtney. Like, you know, we spend holidays with them. In fact, we spend more time with them than we probably do, like, 
our own family. <laughs> there are reasons. There are reasons for that, but no. Um, but they really are like our family, and um, we care so much about them. You know, um, I mean, I, Courtney and I will text every, I don't know, like fairly often, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, Margot knows that how much she's loved, and I think that in this situation, it is. You know, there are so many more people that love her than she will ever realize. Um, and it, but like Corny said, like it, it is really hard. Um, it's hard. I know that it's hard for Courtney. (laughs) Um, it's hard for Margo. It's hard. I mean, it's just, there's an adoption. There is like huge, huge loss that I think a lot of people are so quick to be like, Oh, adoption is like this really great thing. Or, you know, they just say things they don't really know because it hasn't impacted them personally. But it's also really, really hard. Um, and Margo's starting to get to the age where she's, you know, just, she's just curious about it all. Mm-hmm. Um, she says things that she doesn't even realize what she says sometimes, you know. I think it's beautiful the way that you guys have just continued to reach out to each other through the hard like it's not gonna go away but Margot is gonna see two beautiful examples of mothers that have reached out to each other and to her through things that maybe they just don't want to keep reaching out through like sometimes it's easier to just take a deep breath and turn around but she's not gonna see that and it's beautiful. So thank you guys for sharing uh, because I know that Margot is going to see these beautiful examples throughout the rest of her life. And I know that um, our listeners are going to be able to take just even just a little bit from uh, your guys' relationship and be able to reach out through hard situations to people around them that it's just hard to keep reaching out through when you have to feel pain each time. So thank you. And I'm so impressed um, by your love that you have for Margot and for your families. I think that, I think that one key thread that I've seen through that, through this is, is support that um, when there is support that you are able to walk your path, live your, your own path with confidence and, uh, with, without, without, with a lot less fear. And so I, I see it in the way that Courtney got support through her pregnancy from her mom and partner and from you guys. And then I see it in the way that she didn't have support after her pregnancy that would have made a huge deal if she would have, it seems like if she would have had other birth moms maybe to talk to or things like that. I think that those are gaps that are being worked on, but are still there and that are felt because that support is so huge. Um, do you guys agree that support is a key thread? Um, I mean, especially on, my side like I'm trying I'm really trying not to dog my dad and my stepmom because like we're best like I love them like we're great now but they 
like I didn't talk to them for the first six months just because I probably didn't handle telling them the information as best as I could have but I was also terrified of mm-hmm. like my dad's a big guy and he's scary so when he's mad you don't like you don't <laughs> but because before my me and my dad's relationship was great like we were best friends but when I didn't have him for those first six months it was really hard and they ended up missing out on like the first two years of Margot's life Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because there isn't enough awareness of the way open adoptions can be and that, you know, Amanda and Micah were so willing to come to us or meet us. Like, they could have seen Margot so many times like we did, but I think they were just, you know, they felt that they're never going to see her. But now, like, now they, I mean, my dad FaceTimes Margot, <laughs> like, they are a huge part of her life and it's just I think if there was more instead of people being like jumping to conclusions about it and kind of giving us the chance to tell them you know this is how it's going to be like just you have to kind of take that leap of faith and trust someone Mm -hmm. so that you can see that you know you're, you can see her as often as you want. You can go see them. They'll come see us. And I think if more people knew how adoption could be, it wouldn't be, uh, like, there wouldn't be a stigma, mm-hmm. as big of a stigma surrounding it as there is. Amanda, do you... Do you have any hopes and dreams, like kind of how she's talking about for the adoption community that you have seen through your journey and your experience? Yeah, I think I always hope that, you know, birth moms' voices matter. And I think for a very long time, they haven't mattered. And I have tried really, really hard to help Courtney know that she matters. And unfortunately, you know, there's a lot in the adoption world that that is unethical, in my opinion. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, we didn't use an adoption agency. We hired a social worker and, you know, it was more of a private adoption, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really, really important that we really listen to the, the voices of, you know, birth moms and the voices of adoptees. Mm-hmm. Um, both, you know, I mean, all the time, there's a lot of, I I've done a lot of reading on just adoptee voices in the last year, just as Margot has started to just, you know, ask questions and she'll have feelings and come to me. And like, sometimes it's hard for me to hear, you know, she's come to me and has told me like, I don't like being adopted, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really hard for me. Because I'm like, ouch, like, you don't want me to be your mom. And that's not the way that I should take it, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but also, I want her to know that, like, she can come to me and talk to me about these things. But I want her to know that, like, her feelings, her feelings are valid. Courtney's feelings are valid. And that really, the adoptive parents need to take a back seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we aren't the people that matter. 
we need to take a backseat to what, you know, birth parents and adoptees are saying. And I would like more people to just listen rather than talk. And I've tried really hard. I hope that Courtney knows that, you know, I've tried really hard to make sure that you feel that way and that Margot feels that way. And because I love you and obviously we love Margot. Um, but I hope that, you know, in the years to come that like that doesn't change, but it just, that love gets stronger. Amanda and Courtney, thanks for sharing your story. Thank you for setting such a grace and love filled example for others around you as they choose to love those around them. We are thankful for women like you who support and love each other. Women like you who make an impact through the family you sustain together. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we would love to have your support through sharing on social media or with a friend. Lindsay, Kristen, and I are all still here at home, praying for our frontliners and loving on our families while working on great content for you all. I hope you have a great week. We will be back with a new episode next Wednesday.